0: So you're doing the unit testing. You're doing everything that Uncle Bob Martin <laughs> says that you should do, right? That And that, that is your role as a leader, as a software engineer, to take those best practices and discuss how do we mm-hmm. implement them? Because best practices are great, right? But Where, it's, you it's might a even goal. say
1: best. I
2: mean, <laughs> yes. Kind there. of. You could. You might. You could. <laughs> You're listening to Working Code, and now your hosts, who wish they were Boolean, so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim.
1: But it's show number 32 for July the 21st, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about what comes after senior developer. When you're ready to move up, where do you go, and what are the the trade-offs there? But as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails, and it looks like Tim it's your turn to go first, buddy. All right.
0: Well, I gotta guess it's kind of a triumph. So I've talked about it before. So we have um, we basically ship all of our data. We have a, a database that we write to, and we have a database that we read from for reporting purposes. And so we have a, a transformation service that takes all of our data from our MySQL database and sends it up to a Postgres SQL database on AWS. And then it builds some materialized views. But recently the, the data has gotten so big over the years that it wasn't finishing in time because there's like some processes that, that kick off in the early morning and the materialized views weren't done by then. So it's causing a lot of headaches. So basically I had to re- refactor all that stuff. But yeah, it what I had been doing was just building a materialized view for everything for I had one view for today, so today's stuff, because I could refresh that concurrently very quickly. And then one thing for everything prior to today, prior to today, one just wasn't, it was just taking too long to build. So I broke it up into everything from today, everything from this year, and then everything from the prior years of of Mm -hmm. this year. And so the prior years from this year, I don't ever have to, well, I don't have to rebuild, but once a year, which... It takes about 16 hours wow. to build that one because I'm, it's all the indexes and things written on it. But yeah, after a couple of days of, of doing that I refactored it all, now it's, it's running great. So was happy is with that. Is 16
2: hours the new time or did you cut that down?
0: No, well, I mean, 16 hours is about what it takes for, for doing it the way I'm doing it now, where it's everything from okay. a prior year, but I only have to That's do that bad. once a year. The, the one that runs for, that's doing this year, it takes about 15 minutes to build the entire materialized view. So it does that. kicks that off at midnight, says, give me everything from yesterday and this year and builds up materialized view. But main thing is it runs super fast because it's materialized view and yeah. Postgres SQL. Cool. Cool.
1: Do you know how you can tell when a, another developer is using Postgres? <laughs> how? Just wait. Yeah, you don't have They'll to worry you. about it. They'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I I don't get I don't get the elitism in that it's it's just another database for me. Some developer chose it and so it you didn't fine, pick it. So. You
2: just landed with it. No, I, yeah. I didn't
0: pick it. Yeah, just dealing with it. But as I I think I said in another show, the, the way it deals with dates is really weird. I don't know why it's so weird. But
3: using I don't know if you want to call it a materialized view in the Postgres sense, but in general, just the idea of using some sort of a denormalized set of data that is catered to some set of reports. I feel like that's the promised land that I've never quite been able to get to. We have uh, primary databases and read replicas and we'll do a lot of reporting on the replicas, but the replicas are just an exact structural match of the primary database just on smaller, weaker machines. And uh, I feel like we've never really been really able to leverage the idea of having a true report oriented structure of data. i um, yeah. I want that. I want that bad.
0: It it, it yeah. is pretty nice because it's like you don't have to do I don't ever have to do any joins when I'm querying those materialized views. Everything's just flat. And so it, there's no joins. Everything you need's there. You don't have to go looking for that where's that field that I need. It's it's are nice. the
3: materialized views, is that just for internal employees at your company or are these customer facing in some ways?
0: No, it feeds our, our, some of our, our APIs Got that you. do reporting. So, yeah, it, customers and internal people oh, use it so as well. Nice. But the best thing about it is just how incredibly fast it runs. That's me. How about you, Carol?
2: Okay, so update. I still have three bird eggs. <laughs> They're doing good. No cats have gotten to or anything. The mom did fly out of the birdhouse today and scared me pretty bad because I wasn't expecting a bird to be in the birdhouse. I mean, I don't know what I expected to be there, but I was hoping it was just three eggs. Anyways, so I have three eggs. And then um, I'm going to go with a big triumph. So I talked a few weeks back about being selected and getting into the Peachtree Road Race, and I finished it. Heck yeah. I have on my race shirt today. And oh, nice. not, that, not that everyone can see it, it has a big, giant peach on it. Yep. So, you know, when you text someone <laughs> at a like peach, a you know what it means. <laughs> so, when I was in my call today, one of the, my coworkers was like, Oh, is that your shirt from the race it's about this past weekend? I was like, yeah, it is. And it's not a butt. It's a peach. It's a peach. I'm a Georgia peach, not a Georgia butt. So, yeah, I did pretty well. I finished in an hour, 5.15. So did a 10K, had a lot of fun, got really hot, but loved it. So I nice. want to do it again. So, yep, that's my triumph. Yay. What about you, Ben?
3: I'm going to go with a failure. I, I think when I look back on my career, some of the things that I regret the most are having a bad feeling about something and then not pushing back hard enough against the people who want to do that bad thing. And the bad thing is almost always introducing some new technology or, or paradigm shift in the way we're doing something. And it's top of mind for me because I've been trying to refactor a little bit in our uh, legacy Angular JS application. And years ago, some of the engineers decided that AngularJS wasn't fast enough, so they pulled in React. So now we have React components being rendered inside parts of our AngularJS application. And for those of you who don't know React from Angular, from Atom, they have completely different paradigms in the way they do change detection and how events are propagated. And they're just two completely different frameworks. And having to manage life cycles across both of these is such a headache. And the problem is the stuff that exists in React is now sitting there in the application for the most part rotting because nobody wants to touch it. Mm. And the stuff that's in Angular is updated very regularly. And not that it's terribly good, but it's at least updated. And it just makes me, I never wanted to pull React in. When it was pulled in the time, it was claimed to be pulled in for performance reasons, which I think is almost always a little bit of a red herring. Mm-hmm. and it it's and i'm not trying to hate on react if it was just a react application it would be great if it was just an angular js application it would be great it was the fact that these two were merged together but it's not just this one time even just like yesterday i saw a pr come across my desk and i left a comment i was like i don't think that's a great idea and the person was like no it's going to be fine i was just like okay <laughs> <laughs> I, you know it is i have this mentality where it's not that it's not my problem because it's still my application, mm-hmm. right. but it's like, oh, you're making this decision, so you'll be around to maintain it. The problem is that that ends up not being true most of the time in in the long run. So the things that I didn't push back against, thinking that other people would be there to maintain it, most of those people are no longer there.
2: And yep. now you're maintaining it.
3: And now I'm maintaining it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's We've been fun. there. Ah, anyway, Adam, what do you have going on?
1: Well, how do I want to say this? I am an unabashed React fanboy. And I agree <laughs> with you. Like if the code is 99% Angular and that 1% React and nobody wants to work on the React, that's, that sucks, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's unfortunate.
1: I'm going to go with a triumph this week. I have a weird thing, but it's super neat and kind of mind bending and, and just cool and fun. So we've been working on this feature flags thing at work. And the, I think, I don't think this made it onto the show at all recently, but one of the things that we were trying to figure out is how we were going to store the data long term, because we have a whole bunch of customer databases, but this data is cross customer, right? So we have feature flags that we might be able to turn on and off for specific customers and specific environments and sort of thing. It's sort of another abstraction layer uh, on top of the customer layer. And we don't have a, a central database for stuff like that. So I was trying to figure out what can I do to store that data. And this is not the first time we've done this. This It's actually the second time, but I'm making a few changes to the way we're doing it. But basically, the application runs and on startup, it reads the data for our feature flags from just a flat text JSON file. Uh, And that's the feature flags that it serves via the API. And then let's just say somebody goes into the admin and... Um, modifies a feature flag. What that does is it updates that file in place in the application as it's running on like a Fargate service on AWS. So it updates that file locally so that any future requests to the API get that updated flag. But then it also clones a copy of the repository of itself locally, modifies that file, and sends a pull request to the repository with that updated file. And then what happens is when we go and we will review that change and merge it, and then there's like we have a one button auto deploy to push up a new revision of the Docker container and redeploy the application with that new revision.
2: So um, it's still getting a human interaction with the the yep. confirm merge, yeah, yeah, right, human
1: pull. in the loop, yeah, twice actually, right? So somebody's changed the yeah. feature flag, and then we have a pull request which requires a code review and push button deploy. So it's like three sort of touch yeah. points there,
2: okay. That's cool.
3: Super interesting. Dude. Yeah. It, does this Is this for all feature flags or just feature flags that would be customer specific? Or it would your, be
1: all of our feature flags. Yeah. Gotcha.
3: Gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah. I would never have thought.
1: It's like a, it's the old s- thing with the snake eating its own tail sort of thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Something like this would never have occurred to me. There's certain just, I'm not a very outside the box thinker. I'm definitely a, here are the tools that I have. Mm -hmm. How do I make that work? Yeah. We deal with a lot of configuration as data.
1: And one of the things that I've come to love having and work very hard to never lose is what's revision history, the ability to roll back and the audit tracking that you get, like with a Git repo of something, right? So it's one thing to just have a table full of settings and be able to modify them and that uh, works great but then you lose all of the ability to know who changed what when what was it before right. to quickly roll back and so that was sort of is what was going through our heads when we were trying to decide how to store this data
3: like, very interesting
1: well, why can't we just put it in git so because we were initially kind of thinking maybe we'll just throw it on s3 or something and I know S3 has some self-modifying code. Is going to become Skynet (laughs) eventually. Uh, Hopefully not. I'll put in if Skynet, then (laughs) process.exit1. So that's me. I guess that's everybody? Yep. Cool. So I I guess a quick programming note. Get it? Programming? (laughs) We're recording this during whatever tropical storm or hurricane or whatever it is now, Elsa. Elsa. (laughs) And so... Let it go. Let I live in go. the sticks and, and let it go. there's, yeah, uh, there's a good chance that you'll hear some storm noise in the background from some of us. So that's All what's right, going it's on. It's already We're past us. Woo-hoo. Yeah,
2: we had
1: yeah, that we yesterday. Had at
2: 2 a.m. this morning.
3: No,
1: well, lucky you.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: there's a decent chance I'm going to lose power at some point. So <laughs> that's just uh, how it goes out here in the, in the middle of the woods.
2: In the sticks.
1: Yep. All right. So moving on up. You know, when you get to be a senior developer and you've been there for several years and you feel like you're due a promotion, what happens next?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's an interesting topic. I've noticed, and I'm talking over a long arc here. I'm not talking about just coming in as a entry level programmer and then the progression. I'm talking about the long term. So you're with a company for a while, a person has, shows promise and skills it seems what tends to happen is that an engineer over the lifetime of their career, the push is that if you want to progress that the upper levels of things is management and management is dealing with less with building things and writing code and software and more with managing people. And I am just wondering why, is there a way to promote engineers that allows them to stay close to the code? I, I know that at some level, if to be a manager you have to deal with mm-hmm. people right so if you're basically if you're not a person who deals with people you're, they're probably not even going to offer you that uh, anyway but if you are it's like and i I come from this from a personal perspective because it's like throughout my career they I'm constantly trying to they're trying to push me away from the code and more toward dealing with budgeting and uh. spreadsheets and hiring and firing uh, 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 and gross. that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's like, I, I don't enjoy, I like right. building things. And so I'm trying to figure out how do we get to a place where you can continue to advance where you don't have to become someone who's so detached from the code base and from what the actual software is that you feel useless when it comes to looking at stuff. So I don't know. That's what I struggle with. I i, I suggested this topic. I'm glad we're talking about it because I don't know Mm -hmm. the answer, but I have ideas.
1: So we had had a quick conversation before we started recording. And some of the things that the words that Mm -hmm. were bandied about were like principal architect and uh, what was the other one? Staff Staff. architect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, even like principal or staff developer Mm -hmm. or whatever. While you were talking there, I was trying to think of like, what's the difference between a senior developer and like a staff developer or principal developer? And what occurred to me, I think, is that that's like a a team leader that sort of uh middle management type position your role is to do whatever you can to be a force multiplier for people on your team in every way that's not directly like code related right so helping them get out of office politics issues or get around and get the support they need from another department stuff like that i'm wondering if maybe that's sort of the role of that staffer or, or principal level person, but from the technical perspective, right? So instead of directly contributing to the the product, if you're working on a product or the service or whatever, maybe that's when you move up into like all day, every day, you're focusing on customizing the framework that you guys use or building little tools to make life as a developer on the team easier, uh, automations and that sort of, thing. Hmm.
3: I, I think that's true where I work. We have staff and principal engineers and the higher you go up, the harder the problems you're supposed to be addressing. Mm -hmm. And I think hard in this context is, is the term you use is force multiplier. Mm -hmm. And I think the hard problems are the ones that pertain to the most number of teams and can have the largest impact on the most number of engineers. And I mean, full disclosure, I am also a principal engineer and I don't do any of that, <laughs> which which also gives me like a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome. I was just told one day that I'm a principal engineer <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, like, so i am just gonna con, continue to do all the things that I already do. But uh, yeah, that's uh, so, so that at least rings true what you're saying over at, uh, at Envision for sure.
0: I mean, so you talk about principal engineers. So what about the role of CTO?
1: I guess, you know, I think in my opinion, as somebody who technically is CTO, but at a five person company, that role is going to vary tremendously depending on the size of the company and and what the company does, right? A CTO for Walmart is going to be a vastly different job than me. And I'm a CTO that's also an IC, right? I'm an individual contributor and I am writing 99% of my time I'm writing code. Mm-hmm. you know the rest is like meetings to facilitate writing code so i don't know does that answer your question
3: <laughs> yeah
1: I, I i kind of
3: uh, what you bid <laughs> i was I was formerly a cto and uh, yeah i i just don't know how to do it i'm a i'm an in, individual contributor through and through cut me and i bleed code i don't i don't mm-hmm. know what it means to organize teams and have a vision of where you want mm-hmm. something to go and have a roadmap that gets you to that vision. I'm very much a short-sighted thinker. Like mm-hmm. like I said, in the triumphs and fails, like I am a here's the tools that I have, what's the most that I can do with it? I don't have the muscle for thinking, how do I build new tools? What if I use totally different kinds of tools? Like that's it's just not a, a mindset that I have. And I've never focused on trying to improve that. So for me, the closer that I can get to the code, the better. Yeah. Now, the problem though, is that I also want to have an impact and I want that impact to also be largely customer driven. I mean, I want to have contact with the customers and I want to yeah. be able to build things that the customers want. And it's hard sometimes to get all of those desires to kind of coalesce into a proper job. It's a very
1: small intersection on your Venn
2: diagram. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So for me, I started as an intern and then just joined a team and then became a team lead. So it went from writing code and figuring out what I was doing to being on a team to then being over a team. And it was a lot of not necessarily managing people, Mm -hmm. but expectations of trying to say what we can and actually can't deliver. And it was being the voice of reason when people under you don't have the the ability to necessarily say where they can get with something. So right. it's being able to kind of look at that picture and go, while you say you can get this done in the week, I've seen how you work. Realistically, we should put two weeks on this. Now we're not up against the wall and we haven't made the customer mad and you're not under all this stress because you don't even know. So it is getting those kind of roadblocks out of the way when they do happen, but it's also being able to communicate where your team can actually go and being able to be the voice of reason when it's needed.
1: Right. I really like this topic because I'm kind of at that stage in my career where I'm starting to think about this stuff. And honestly, I think I could be happy going in either direction. Mm -hmm. Like Ben was saying with the imposter syndrome stuff, like there's, there are days and and they're not all that infrequent that I look at the the new technology that's going around and I'm just like, get me out of here you know, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll manage people. I can just not have to keep up with these kids out of college right now. Right. Right. Like they know all these things and they're saying words. I don't even know what that means to like, how do I Google that? Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm, you know, that's not the only reason, you know, I think, I I think I might've mentioned in the past, just like I've grown up a lot. My wife is a therapist and I feel like uh,
2: she's made you better.
1: She has, but I've been going to therapy myself, not through her and through whatever, you know, I've had an imperfect life and trying to do do better for that through the therapy. And I've learned a lot and I've become a better person. And I feel like my emotional intelligence has leveled up a couple of levels just within the last like five years. And Mm -hmm. I, in that regard, I see that possibility of helping a, a team of people or something like that. and. I see that as a, a very possibly fruitful path forward for me. But at the same time, when I think about the code that I like to work on, it's the stuff, it's the automations,
2: yeah, the
1: the stuff that's going to really impress my teammates because it's going to make their jobs easier sort of thing. And that's like what I'm thinking about with that whole principal engineer sort of thing. And so like both appeal to me and I don't know which to really pursue.
2: So that's one of the things that I thought about when we were talking about this topic was that as I get older, I find myself feeling like I don't think as quick as kids coming on now. Mm-hmm. Right. These youngsters, they just like whip out things and they're just thinking through and I'm like going, hold on, wait a second. I need two more cups of coffee to even comprehend this sentence <laughs> you just said. So I lean like just a minute. All right. Then we'll come back to this. So I feel like at some point we become better as almost being like the librarians of the system, right? Or of like what we're doing. Mm. And we go to, instead of necessarily being the top person writing all the code, it's, you know, making sure the functionality is in place for everything that people coming on don't know. So again, Mm -hmm. it's putting things Mm. in front of the people on your team to make sure they have what they need to keep moving forward. And it's things they're not going to have when they come on. It's going to be you now spending more time sharing knowledge than writing code, so you're going to have to give up some of your time to keep the company growing, to keep your team growing. So you're going to have to step out of code at some point—not 100 yeah. percent, but a little bit—so that you can, or I would say, even like half your time, to keep people on your team moving forward. Yeah, you have to share the knowledge.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and that does seem to be. I mean, just because you have more experience where you're at. You, you eventually become a guide in, in some sort and of way right That's
2: a compliment to me like i yeah. take that that's nice
0: and i kind of would step back a little bit and say so what what makes people want to be promoted in the first place right so one money right now obviously dollar bill, you're yo. make more money right than, than mm-hmm. dollars right but beyond that i i don't for me money has never really been the big motivating factor it's it's I think Ben kind of hit on it is feeling like you're making an impact on the Mm. product and that you are making sure that the course that the company is going on is one that is, is thought out and not just reactive. And so one thing I kind of envision that I want, I don't want to be a general manager of of a company where really my only job is to administrate layers of bureaucracy below me. Mm-hmm. No. It's not fun. I've seen that job and I don't really want to do that. But what I do feel passionate about is the product, right? Building the product roadmap, talking to customers, like Ben was saying, knowing what the customers' issues are, building things that that solve the problems that they have. And necess- and not necessarily I can't build it all. Right? It's a team of people that are building these things, but making sure that when it is being built, it is being built with best practices. Mm. So you're doing the unit testing. You're doing everything that Uncle Bob Martin <laughs> says that you should do. Right? That and that that is your role as a leader, as a software engineer, to take those best practices and discuss how do we mm-hmm. implement them. Because best practices are great, right? But it's, you it's might a even goal. say
1: best.
2: <laughs> yes, kind there, of. You could. You, might. you could. <laughs>
0: But how you implement them is varied, right? So someone has to make that decision. And I think that's where years of experience trumps the wide-eyed youngsters coming in that just have great ideas, but not necessarily real-world experience. So whatever that role is, I don't know what role I just described, product owner or CTO, I don't know what you call that. That's sort of where I would like to see uh, people grow into if, if they have mm-hmm. the bent for it and some people honestly that they, they don't necessarily want promotion they just like you know what just give me year over year partially you know cost of living increases and i'll keep doing what i'm doing and, and that is absolutely yeah. fine you need people like that on a team because not everyone can constantly ladder climb if you do that you just your organization is going to be sustain that unless it's growing ridiculously right. fast
1: yeah, you, no no team needs 12 principal architects and one intern. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's funny, though, that you say that money is not necessarily your primary motivator. And, and I'm the same way. And when the pandemic hit, Envision's been a remote first company since day one for the past eight years. But then when the pandemic came about, some of the really large tech companies like Facebook and Google started to be much more remote friendly if not remote first, I think a lot of Facebook people can just now work remote indefinitely. And uh, we definitely lost some engineers to these big companies and in their mm-hmm. exit interviews, they were saying we're leaving because we just want more money. And, yep. and I remember hearing that and pushing back against that idea. And I'm like, no, that can't be right. It like, can't there's be. gotta be some cultural problem here. Like they're well, not feeling autonomous enough or they're not feeling empowered enough. And they were like, -hmm. No, they just want more money. (laughs) It's just like I couldn't connect with that.
0: But that is the easy answer, though. But sometimes that's the easy answer to give. But there's also something else, right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: That that they're not telling you in the exit interview. Or I mean, and then some people. It may be about the the
2: dollar. Like really, if you are, if I see a job where people work at that I know, and they're telling me that my quality of life is going to be about the same as where I'm at now. I'm going to face the same struggles i'm going to have the kind of day-to-day it's not going to be much different from what i'm doing now but we'll throw on 30 grand to what you're making right now
3: mm-hmm. i yeah, mean
2: it is about yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it's just dollars then to me i mean i yeah. didn't my when i left where i was at recently it really honestly was a a new tech stack i was really excited about that and dollars that's that was yeah. it
3: you would see that yeah, there was but, another I mean, reason
2: even if I was going to not a new tech stack, the dollars would have still been
3: Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, and to be clear, I'm not diminishing that money is a very powerful motivator and that it, it gets you a lot of stuff. I I like
2: shoes. I'm sorry.
3: (laughs) I was just surprised that that was what people were stating as the reason that they were leaving. It it didn't occur to me that that would be such a driving force. So
1: I, like, I totally agree with everything we've just said, but I think that, the way I think about it is a little bit different. So the one thing that you can't change is the amount of time that you have,
3: mm-hmm. right? Okay.
1: You you can't add more hours to the day. You can't, for the most part, you can't affect how long the work week is. You can change your employer to try and go to somewhere that has a four day work week or something like that, but your controls on time are extremely limited. So what I like to optimize for is a way, whatever I can do to make the most of my time. And that means something different to everybody. The way I spend my weekends with my family, my current employer, we have not unlimited PTO, but you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Just sort of like keep your, what keep the best interest of the company in mind, PTO. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> I'm taking a, a week off next week and I took uh, you know some time not that long ago and whatever. But yeah, I mean, so I, I optimize for time, but I think that having more money can help you make better use of your time. Like we were talking earlier today, Ben, about how nice it would be to have a personal assistant. If you're getting paid 30 grand a year extra for no reason, all of a sudden you've done basically a, a, <laughs> a lateral shift in technology, yeah. right? Are you not going to consider like, mm, maybe I can get
3: a personal assistant now, yeah. right? Like, Good point.
2: Someone's going to come clean my <laughs> shoes now. Yeah. I'm not just gonna buy them, so gonna clean
3: them. No, but that's a really good point. I mean, I live very comfortably. I will admit that. So I think uh, th- money doesn't remove pain from yeah. my life no, right now. No, and there was a point in my life when I was younger when I it was very clear that all of a sudden in my life I had more money than I had time, and mm-hmm. time became the very limiting factor, and it, it like refocused everything. Yeah. It
2: does. Yep.
1: That's there. That, there's like an inflection point early on in your career, like when you're a young Oh, like yeah. your high school, early college, or even first few years out of college. It's like, all you have is time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody's mm-hmm. dying to beating down your door to to pay you tons of money. You have, you know, maybe you're not married or, or whatever that sort of stage of your life. So you've got free time. And the, like that, the, I'm thinking about like open source work and that sort of thing. Like you have all this time and maybe you can use the time to make money. And then you hit this inflection point where it goes the other way. And now you want to use your money to make time.
3: Mm, totally. <laughs> right. Oh, no, man. I, I, mind
2: blown right
3: now. I, I, will, <laughs> I will have my inbox open and I'll see unread emails and I'll sit there and I'll have a little conversation with myself. I'll say like, just read it. Just read it and reply. You can do this. You All can 3, do it. I mean, Even just one. I'm like, this is an important email. You should open it. And you should read it. And then I'm like, no, I don't have time. I've got other stuff to do, and I just, <laughs> I it's like my whole being refuses to prioritize anything but like a very slim, select few activities. It's very, uh, it's very limiting. I'll, I'll admit that.
2: So but I did something very bad with my email, Ben. Oh. I, I, I really don't like replying to emails either. I'm, I don't think I'm as bad as you are, but I just I don't like seeing them there either. So I went into my settings a week ago. And gave myself like five different inboxes and they each <laughs> only show five messages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? So now what, I mean, i will send y'all screenshot of it. So now it only looks like I have a couple unread messages.
3: There you go. Yeah. It's not Winnie. solving the problem. You know,
2: I think that's a win because <laughs> I'm not so stressed out when I open Gmail now. It's nice.
3: Yeah. Well, one thing that I, I would, I'd bring up and I didn't come up with this. This is something that I've heard. A bunch of other people discuss when they talk about promotions. Uh, And it's this idea that most people don't get promoted as much as they get recognized for doing the work that they're already doing. Mm
1: -hmm. So you never jump
3: from junior engineer to senior engineer. You take on the work of a senior engineer. And then at one point your manager says, oh, hey, you're a senior engineer now because you've been doing all the senior engineer work. And I think it's if, if you shift from engineering to management, that's probably a different yeah. guideline there. To people management. But that's how they yeah. get you. They're like, can, can you make sure you, you need to budget this and you need to do that? It's like,
0: oh, no, I'm doing all this is general manager stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is CEO stuff. I don't want to do this. They're like, oh, you're already doing it anyway. Yeah, but I hate it.
3: I think a lot of it comes down to where you get your dopamine hits from. <laughs> so, yeah if I build a solution and that solution works or better choice of words, if I build a solution and that solution adds value to the customers, that's like where I get my high. And I'm like, how do I keep doing that day after day? Mm-hmm. And as a manager, you're not building the solution that adds value to your customers. You're building the team that's building the solution that adds customers. Mm-hmm. And if you can get the dopamine hit from building the team, then that's great. more power to you. I don't want to say it's like a self-centered thing, but like I don't get so much joy out of seeing, this is going to sound terrible. I don't get joy out of seeing other people succeed. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It does. That sounds awful, Ben. And uh," and what I mean is like, I want to be there on the front line. Like I can't, I I don't get joy out of standing behind watching other people do the work. You want to stand shoulder Mm -hmm. to shoulder and help them succeed. There you go. go.
2: Maybe. Or he just wants all the credit. I don't know.
1: And
0: and now that you say that out loud, it's like, yeah, I get like this stupid materialized view that I worked on. I got so oh. much joy when I finally figured out I, I basically I had these three different materialized views and I, I put them together into a, just a, a regular view so that it would be a combined view and it was running really, really slow. If, anytime I, I, I would try to do a, a limit and do a, a sort and I couldn't figure it out. It took me two, three hours. I finally figured out and fixed it. And
3: I was so mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. figuring that out. And to be clear, there's no one right way, you know, in in the same way that Tim wants to eat something that has like a million scobels. or I don't know what the term is. And 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 then after it, he'll he'll wash it down with a scoby. (laughs) (laughs) So, so like I get a high off of building things very low level. I had an engineering manager, Rich Armstrong. And when he showed up the company, he was like, I came here to ship product. Like mm. he didn't want to build the things he yeah. wanted to build the team that built the product. And like, that's how he got his high. That's great. And that's totally great. It's, it, we're just not all built the same way.
2: And right. I feel like most engineers yeah. aren't going to end up on that path. And mm. I think with this conversation, it's okay to say, Hey, look, I don't want to go into management. I don't want to be the person handling all of the stuff. I want to keep going in technology. And force your way into it. Make mm. sure that when you're promoted, you're still doing the thing you love. Don't take a job that or a promotion that's going to put you into a position that you hate. Yeah. Like, make yeah. sure it's something you love. Find that job. And if it's not there, make it a new job. Yeah.
0: And so I, I think, I mean, it's kind of going to boil down to that you either, if you are a person in charge and has people under you in direct reports, or if you're an employee, there needs to be a conversation at some point to say, what does success in my career look like
2: mm-hmm. for the
0: future? There needs to be that conversation because there there are, people will tend to assume that what it is they want mm-hmm. is what you want out of a job. And that's not right. always true. You need to have that conversation. And I, I've done that with people that, that I work with and people that, that report to me. I'm like, what is it that gets you going? What makes you happy? Some of them are customer service people and they just really enjoy interacting with people. Great. I mean, so what does success look like? And you got to have that conversation. And you know, and I've had that conversation with people I report to. Is I told them, I said, "Look, I'm not looking to be a CEO or a general manager. I always want to have my hands on the product. And I know I can't build everything by myself. I'd love to, (laughs) but I I can't. We're not all bad, Uh, (laughs) right? You're not bad, (laughs) but I need a team. But I, I definitely need to continue to be in it. But the thing that scares me is that in most companies, and it's true in our company, so at some point our division will, will be split off. It'll be a separate business unit inside of our parent company, and there will have to be a general yeah. manager. Uh, and But basically that general manager has the power to fire me. Now I could hire this general manager, I could select that person, and then at some point they could decide they don't need me, and no. I don't like that at <laughs> all. No. And so there's that fear that I need to have that power <laughs> So that someone above me. Man, can, you're in a like, catch. <laughs> right. It, but in the grand scheme of things, someone above me always inspire you. So
3: Yeah. I remember listening to a podcast, this was maybe two years ago, and I can't remember which one it was, and I can't remember who was being interviewed. I think it was someone who worked at Google and this woman was saying that she bounces back and forth between engineering and management every two years. That she do two oh. years of management, two years of engineering, two years of management because she feels like I think she liked to get back into the engineering to kind of refresh the on the ground skills. And then she liked to bounce back into management so that she could do more team building and and force multiplication.
1: And I'd be curious mm. to see what kind of yeah. stuff she was doing as an engineer during those years. Because I feel like if I were to step away for two years and try to come back, I would be so lost. Yeah,
3: I agree.
2: Well, I mean, I wonder if mm. she fully steps away or if it's yeah. like kind of what. I had done where I'm like, okay, I'm half and half, mm. like spending half the time doing customer road mapping and right. engagement things. And then half the time still writing some of the code. So I'm not fully out of it. So I can still help. Yeah. But I went, so I, I kind of went through the phases of really enjoying just writing code to really enjoying the team to then going back to like managing the team and being over teams to, to going back to, I really just like being on the team again. I like (laughs) just like, I get to make decisions on where we're taking the product. I still get to, to have a lot of input and everything, but I don't have to deal with budgets and I don't have to hire. I don't have to fire. Like we did this like peer review this year. So for our career conversations, it was like, Hey, here's a list of everyone on your team give us feedback on them. Like go review your own teammates. Like to me, that's better than any manager review that I've ever gotten to have my team give me those reviews. So I think I'm back to the point in my career where I really just like being on a team. Nice. I don't don't want to be over people. Mm
1: -hmm. So if I could take us back to, I don't remember who said it, but we were talking previously about promotions and like title versus money.
2: Oh yeah, and
1: and some. I just had a couple of thoughts around all of that that I wanted to to throw out there. So, the whole point of promotions and a pay increase and the title, I think, is there's. I'm sure there's a lot of aspects to it, but like a, it's to recognize you for continuing to grow in your career. B, it's to give you an incentive to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. And C, I think it's also. Did I do like A to C, whatever? (laughs) Um, Sure, it works. (laughs) Then it's to keep it interesting for you, right? To to keep challenging you. Yeah. And I think that as long as you're getting what you need out of the job, and that includes enough money and whatever's important to you, whether it's challenge or recognition or a title, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's motivated by different things. If you're getting what you need, then there's no reason not to stay where you are, right? Like you don't need to quit Mm -hmm. your job just because you've haven't gotten a promotion in five years, but if you haven't gotten a pay raise in five years and you're you feel like you're falling behind, you know your peers and whatever and, you know you're struggling to make ends meet, then yeah, I think it's time to look for a new job. But sort of the same or, or the other side of the same coin is like, yeah, none of those things are necessarily required, and so like, okay, maybe they're if on a really small team. There's no room for a principal engineer sort of thing, but. As long as you're getting enough money and the right kind of recognition on your team, then it's fine, and you may be perfectly happy. At the the other side of this coin, though, is if there's no room for you to get a promotion, but you feel like you deserve something, then that's a totally legitimate reason to leave and Absolutely. go get another yeah. job mm-hmm. somewhere else. I agree. Like just because my company hasn't grown at a rate that can support me leveling up doesn't mean I haven't leveled up. I agree.
2: The,
0: True. Yeah. I would say that the double-edged sword, though, of promotion is the Peter Principle.
2: Yeah. I don't know what the Peter Principle yeah. is.
0: So the Peter Principle is it's a concept by a, a guy who wrote a book called The Peter Principle, where basically that says that people in a hierarchy, which most businesses <laughs> tend to be a hierarchy, they tend to rise to their maximum level of incompetence. <laughs> so they keep getting promoted. Until they reach a point where they fail, and I uh, actually had, and then they stay there. <laughs> someone's either they stay there or they, you know, get knocked back down or they they go to another company. Yeah, and I, I actually had someone that was much way higher up in the organization just basically call out that I had reached my my uh, <laughs> Peter Principle. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> That's, that's a burn, yeah, man. I was not too, not too particularly happy with him at that point. Cause yeah, I was just going through a lot of my personal life at that time. And so my life was, my life had gone to crap. And so what had nothing to do with my competence It had to do with just my right. concentration sure. at that point. But, but yeah, it's just like wanting to constantly be promoted. You know, if you're a person who feels that that's what you are gauging your success mm-hmm. as be careful because they're eventually you're just going to reach a point where they're going to continue to promote you to a point where you, they put you in a job that you have absolutely no right to be in and you're going to fail and it's going to be humiliating and hopefully you recover from it. I, I did. <laughs> I did. And I'm much happier now. And I, and now I know my strengths and weaknesses and that's why I've, I've made the decision. Look, I am not going to be a CEO slash mm-hmm. GM. That is not where my strengths lie. I know where my strengths lie. I know how to build stuff. I know how to help a team build stuff. And I know how to talk to customers to get what they need out of it and deliver that to them. And that's what mm. I want to do.
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny. So at work, we do a lot of peer reviews. So I think we do them biannually where you have to review several other people and then they review you. Not necessarily the same people. I love but it. And and I had to review my my director. And I said in my review, I was like, you need to not worry so much about my career because he's definitely a like, what's your growth path look like? What does your career look like? You know, how do we keep you moving forward? And I, I, in my view, I'm just like, I got customers. Those customers have problems today. They're going to have problems tomorrow. They're going to have problems the day after that. Like I got things to do. You don't have to worry so much. (laughs) When I run out of things,
2: I will let you know.
3: Yeah. But I think it's it's that sort of I get my high out of helping the customers very right. directly. Mm-hmm. And like because he's not there doing that with me, I don't think he necessarily understands how rewarding that is.
2: Yeah. And so he someone, constantly
3: wants me on this other path, I think.
2: I had someone ask what my five-year plan was at my last job. And I was like, we're kind of struggling to get through month to month right now. Like we are having a really hard time roadmapping customer needs month to month. So I'm not really for sure why we're even talking about my five-year plan because we need to focus on what's happening in the moment right now. So.
1: So this is totally unprompted, not sponsored, whatever. There's just this, there's a woman who wrote a book on this topic. It's called Engineering Management for the Rest of Us. I haven't read the book, but mm-hmm. I, she, because it's not out yet, I intend to read it. She says that a lot of the stuff that's in it has been posted on her blog. And I've been following her blog for a long time. Her name is Sarah Drasner. And if anybody's interested in the book, it's called Engineering Management for the Rest of Us. And the website is engmanagement.dev. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. And like I said, I've read, I've been reading her blog. Yeah. I have I to subscribe. Uh, I've been reading her blog for a long time and... She has been an engineering manager at Netflix and she, she's just a, a really smart person. And she seems to be, have a really high emotional intelligence and do good work. So I'm really
3: looking forward to this book when it does come out. Hmm. It looks good. Yeah, I know the name. I know she either is on podcasts or she's written books, but I definitely know her. I'm just having trouble
1: connecting. She's also a staff writer for CSS Tricks. Ah, so you might uh, see her from
3: that. yeah. 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 If I can plug a book, yeah, this please. is a book that Clark Valberg recommended to me like 15 years ago. It's called The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. And it's the cheesiest. I listened to it on audio and it sounds mm-hmm. like it was recorded in the 60s. And, and like you're listening to the actual <laughs> cassette playback, like that's the audio quality. And it's all about kind of career growth and and taking on larger responsibilities. But there's just something magical about it magic of thinking big highly recommended i i don't know where i just i remember seeing this book cover like earlier today i was i was
1: looking for new books to read for this camping trip i'm getting ready to go on
2: Mm, or somehow i
1: came across that cover
3: oh but the audio the audio you got to do the audio because it's it's all about the guys intonations and it's just fantastic i was thinking that we should see
1: if sarah drasner wants to come on and talk about engineering management yes uh, when maybe when the book is ready to come out or something yeah that'd be great no i'll send her an invite from one published author to another well got your mail today i got no i got mine monday and
2: started reading it
1: i got my did you read the inscription when i I signed it i did your heart matters
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you cool awesome
1: all right well i guess then we're done so let me do this thing so like I said, we've never taken any money from any companies to say nice things about them or books or anything else, and we'd prefer to keep it that way, and we can only keep doing that because of the support of generous listeners like you. If you like what we're creating here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingcodepod. In addition to the warm feeling you get in your heart for helping us create something positive in the world, we also offer perks for our patrons. They all get an invite to our Discord server where we hang out and chat about the podcast and work stuff and life stuff. And we have other perks available, like early access to new episodes and our after show. Every week we thank our top patrons, and since this week is part of every week, we're sending out a huge thank you to Peter and Monty. And hey, if Patreon isn't your thing, then thanks for listening anyway. We really appreciate having you here with us. You could share the show with your friends and coworkers because let's be honest, almost nobody searches podcast directories. So we really need your word-of-mouth referrals to keep growing and you can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that maybe one day we'll rank first when you search for the name of our podcast. Please send us your questions and show topics and suggestions on Twitter and Instagram at working code pod, or you can leave us a message on the phone at 512-253-2633. That's 512-253 code. We'll catch you next week. And until then your heart matters guys.
2: You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.